This is the Fearless Agent Podcast, where you learn how to make way more money fast selling real estate with your host, the fearless agent himself, Bob Leffler. And good day to you, folks. This is Bob right here at the Fearless Agent Podcast for real estate sales professionals like you, where we explain why everything you've been taught by the entire real estate industry is wrong and you will make lots more money in way less time by doing the exact opposite. So today's topic, we're going to talk about the investor presentation. You know, people get into real estate, they think, oh, I'm going to make a lot of money. This is going to be great. I'm going to get me one of them real estate license thingies. I'm going to get me a little name badge and uh, it's going to be fantastic. And then reality sets in and it starts to be harder to do than it looks. And the failure rate in this industry is astronomical, probably worse than just about any other. So, oh, by the way, uh, Ramon, my lovely producer, Ramon. Yes, my good man. I forgot we start with the headlines of the day. Uh, how could you forget? People I'm might sure. miss it. You never know. They might you miss can, the headlines of the day. People would be uh, – Let's do the headline of the day, shall we, Ramon? We shall. Here comes the uh, high-tech sound effect. Okay. Kim Jong-il. Do you know Kim Jong-il? Yes, you personally. Remember, we used a, to go to high school together. It's like a dynasty. A uh, His dad, you remember his dad? No. Mentally ill. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, Kim Jong. <laughs> it's a callback to the last episode. Yep. <laughs> Kim Jong ill may be in a coma. Did you hear about that? A coma. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. If so, it would be the first one ever caused by a bad haircut. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I'm uh, – <laughs> recovering from just an awful haircut. So <laughs> sorry you had to see that. I'm having a bad hair decade. So uh, investors, uh, one of the reasons agents fail is because they don't learn the presentations of the fearless agent. So here they are. We talked about them last week. It's listing, pricing, for sale by owner, buyer, and investor. If you learn those presentations, you are never going to be in a money-making situation where you don't have the exact right words to say when you're sitting in front of a client who's either a buyer, a seller, or an investor, and all clients are one or two or all three of those. So I want all of you to have the experience I had ultimately, which is where I had you know, I had to invent these presentations except for one of them. Um, but I was never – it was – I had extreme confidence, very competent, very professional, all for the benefit of my sellers, buyers, and investors. So I, I always knew the truth of what to say, how to guide them. So investors uh, became this uh, – and we did talk about this in a prior episode not a couple of weeks ago. But – one of the things I talked about is there are a lot of myths out there. So you, you see all these investor – you see them advertised on TV, cable TV. We're gonna, there's going to be a seminar and you go to these seminars and they tell these lies that um, – you know, I would hear them say these things. These are the secrets to investing and I go, you know, that doesn't sound right to me. Uh, and they were checkoutable and I, I just did a little checking and it turned out that wasn't right. So the people that were teaching these seminars, they themselves didn't know what they were talking about. 
So we talked about how I came up with my investor presentation and all that. But basically, when you meet – when I would meet with an investor, uh, when when my fearless agent coaching students meet with an investor, you, you want them to come into your office. So if somebody isn't willing to come into the office and the idea that they're going to – why would they come in? Well, to get a higher rate of return. So the value proposition with a seller is that you're going to get tens of thousands of dollars extra money, more than any other agent could get you. That's why you would want to meet with me. The value proposition for the buyer is you're guaranteed that you're going to get the best house of all the houses that are available to you with the amount of money you got if you meet with me in my office. The investor value proposition is, uh, you know, I think – now, I'm talking about my town. This, these numbers might be different for your town. You could call me and we'll find out what it is. We'll find out with Ramon. We're going to use Ramon as a, a willing victim – I mean volunteer. Mm. You willing to do a little uh, – yeah, Let's give it a whirl. Bear your soul for the folks here. Why not? So um, so if, if, if you're an investor – I think you should be earning a 40 to 60 percent annual rate of return and most investors aren't earning anywhere near that or they already are and they don't even know it. So uh, do you, Mr. Investor, know what actually precisely is your rate of return? They never know. Say, well, we could talk about that when we meet. But uh, what I'd like to do is schedule a time for – you and I to meet, I'll show you my philosophy of investing in real estate. It's completely different than anything you've ever seen. And uh, it's just an idea. I don't have anything to sell you. So you can leave your checkbook at home. And uh, at the end of it, you're either going to say, yeah, that is what I want to do. It probably will go that way. And then if it is what you want to do, of course, my hope is that you would want to do it with me. But either way, it's still a good idea. So uh, you know, what do you say? Would you like to come in and hear about? It? Well, they pretty much all said yes. You know, so they would come in and meet with me. So, who are these people that are coming in and meeting with me? Well, they're old people that have a lot of money. They're rich people. They either inherited money and they're young, or they inherited money and they're old, or they have a lot of money that they earned and they're old. Typically, so the average age of investor is probably seventy, and I would meet with them. And they either already own underperforming real estate or that they should get out of and get into something that's much higher performing, much higher rate of return. Or uh, this is their first time investing in real estate. So they, they're owning, they own underperforming other investments. So that could be um, mutual fund, 401k, could be um, – uh, other real estate, land, multifamily is always horrible. It could be, um, you know, anything. So fourplex, duplex, you know, anything. So the idea is they get you get them to come in. Now, when somebody comes in, uh, I have a little process that I would put them through. You know, I would ask them some questions uh, I would demonstrate my philosophy of investing. I would give them some actual examples of it uh, in the area that I recommend that they do invest in. 
and then they would make a decision on whether this is what they wanted to do. And if it was, they would, we would go through my step-by-step plan to get them earning a 40 to 60% annual rate of return. So the, the, the questions I would ask them, uh, you know, one of them was, have you had investment real estate experience before? Have you ever owned a rental property? Now, one of the reasons I ask that question is because if they've owned a rental property and they had a bad experience, I want them to vent and tell me the horror story that they had. What I'm not going to do is overcome that objection or or um, respond to it anyway. I just want to let them vent and hear hear about it. So. I'm not going to say, oh, that wouldn't have happened if you'd had a professional property manager. Of course, that's true, but uh, I just want to let them vent, okay? And then I'd say, well, what kind of real estate investments do you have right now? So they would tell me what they have right now. Now, I'm going to use Ramon. We're going to pretend he's a homeowner, and he is a homeowner. So your home is about uh let's see i'm going to do eight you are eight miles west of the central avenue in phoenix the middle road in phoenix correct and then you are about uh about eight miles north Mm -hmm. also so that's eight times eight is you're 64 miles out the middle no that's not true fantastic so you have a home single family home built in 1986 1700 square feet three bedroom two bath this is the typical middle class american home that would sell you told me for 215,000 according to things that are being mailed to me on a constant basis and that could be that could be it's possible that that's correct I don't know who the charlatans are that are mailing you this stuff, but it's <laughs> it's quite likely that it's incorrect. If you think those are wrong, do you think they're wrong too low or too high? Maybe a touch too low. Yeah, I think it's probably too low. Yeah, yeah. So so let's assume that it's two twenty five. I think that is possible. Okay. And my limited knowledge of uh, your part of town. So the bad part of town is that what you're trying to say? No. It ain't Scottsdale. Well, do you think it's a bad part of town? No, I actually think it's great. Okay. Yeah, I like it. So uh, there's no guy sitting in our car hood smoking weed out in front of your house? No, No, not at all. I told my brother-in-law, you're out of here. I told you my rule of thumb about bad neighborhoods, didn't I? Yes. If you see a guy riding a girl's bicycle wearing no shirt with his hat on backwards and Levi's, you can buy crack in that neighborhood. That's it. <laughs> and he probably has a backpack on as well. Yeah, these days he does. Okay, so um, that house is built in 1986. And in 1986, I happen to know that that house cost about $40,000 okay. when it was new. So it went from 40 to 80 Then it went to 160 And then you're on your way to 320 Okay. So it's it's doubled in value two times already. Uh, if that house were in South Scottsdale, which is the highest appreciating part of town, it's I I did live there once. I don't live there now. I live in a slower appreciating part of town that's nicer and farther away. Okay, but it is um, that that same house would have would be selling for. Uh, over 320 today, probably about 350 today. 
So in fact, maybe even more than that, probably about 375. So it would be a better investment. So the truth is the houses that were built in 1986 in South Scottsdale and your house both went down in value every day since they were built. The only thing that ever went up in value was the lot underneath it. So you want to invest in the – if it was an – by, by the way, it was a good investment. So if I had bought that house for $40,000 in 1986 as a rental, mm-hmm. let's pretend I did. So we're going to do math on the air. Now, oh. you, do you think we should do mathradio.com? We, I'll, I'll Google that right now. Get on GoDaddy and buy that. <laughs> do you know us. there once was a? Did you know that there once was a show about math on the radio? Really? No. Okay. So uh, there's a reason for that. So the forty thousand dollar sales price back in 1986. If I had bought that as a rental, and let's say I put thirty percent down. So if I take forty thousand dollars, oops. What is 30% of 40,000? Who can do that in their head? Not me. 12,000. So if I put $12,000 down and then I finance the rest and I rent it out, the rent would be enough to cover the taxes, the insurance, and my monthly payment. Gotcha. So it would be break even. You know, there wouldn't be positive or negative cash flow. So now I've invested $12,000 only of my own money. So now it is worth 225,000. So if I take 225,000 minus 40,000 my glasses are fogging up. That's a $185,000 total gain. Everybody write down $185,000 total gain. So if I take uh, the year 2020 minus 1986, that was 34 years. And if I take 185,000 divided by 34, that's 5,400 annual gain. So every year that since that house was built, it went up $5,400 a year on average. So then the question is, the gain is what percentage of the investment. So 5400, which is the annual gain, is what percent of 12,000, which is my total investment, and the answer is 45. So it was a 45% annual rate of return. Now that does not take take into account something called magic free money, which is that you would get if it was a rental you would get a tax break. You would pay less in taxes because you own that rental. And also the tenant would be paying down your loan and it would be long paid off by now. So you'd have equity buildup because the tenant's paying down your money. Even if it never went up in value, you get a rate of return just based on that and the tax benefits. And that ends up being about 15% which puts me at about 60 – that's a 60 percent annual rate of return. It would be higher still if it was in Scottsdale, but that's a great rate of return. That's that's awesome. Should we tell them the bad news? Uh Uh-oh. When you bought it? Yeah. On the bubble just before it went (laughs) pop. 
poof. Yep. But you know, we're desperate to buy a house. Well, it was a it was an emergency kind of a thing. What was the deal? Yeah, I had to move my mother-in-law uh-huh. who was uh who was not doing well and uh, we had we needed a place for her to live and we couldn't do it in an apartment. So we quickly bought a house and And by and- move your mother-in-law, you don't mean hide a body. No, no, okay. she was alive at that okay. time. So that okay. always that's okay. that made it a little so bit, there was a little no bit incident, easier. No police, no okay. No. All right. <laughs> so you liked your mother-in-law. Yes. Now I love my mother-in-law. I really do. That's nice. Yeah. See, that's a good thing. Yeah. They get a bad rap. By the way, when I was driving here, I saw something I'd never seen before. There was this hearse going about a mile and a half, and there was a guy walking behind the hearse with a, a big German Shepherd dog, and there were 17 guys walking behind him. So I'm curious. I go, what, what in the heck is that? So I pull over. I go up to the guy with the dog. I said, hey, what's going on here? He says, my mother-in-law's in there. I go, really? What happened? He goes, the dog got her. I said, well, could I borrow the dog? He said, yeah, get in line. <laughs> That's how it's done. <laughs> That's the problem. So uh, very high rate of return. So it would be hard to make that kind of money. It would be hard to turn $12,000 into uh, – over that period of time, most other ways. Most people also would blow the money if they did. The thing about real estate is it's not liquid and it forces you to kind of keep it. It's not easy to sell. And what the temptation is, is to refinance money out and go blow it on stupid things like cars or depreciating assets. So you have to fight the urge to do that. So I ask them what kind of real estate investments you have now. If they say they don't have any, I say, well, are you a homeowner? And they say, yes, I am. I go, tell me about your house. And then I go through that with them because I want to know what kind of rate of return they're getting on their personal house. Uh, Because when I give them examples of the area I'm recommending, it's kind of a uh, theoretical thing. But if it's already happened to them like it happened to you, you are earning a 60% rate of return. Uh, you, you think, oh my gosh, that house will never double in value. It actually will. That will happen. So um, I'm using the one to sell them on doing it again rather than sell them on doing it. They've already done it once. It's easier to sell them on doing it again. So then I would say, well, in 1986 – since you got a 60% annual rate of return, you're an investor now, how many of those do you wish you had bought in 1986? And their answer is all of them, right? So then I just I just ask them questions like, do you know what your annual rate of return is now? They don't. I'm going to calculate for that on their rental properties if they have some. If it's underperforming, we'll switch them into more higher reporting, higher earning ones. By the way, if any of the stuff we talk about on this podcast makes sense to you and you happen to be earning less selling real estate than you wish you were, if you think you would benefit by having the five fearless agent presentations and the coaching and you're open to the idea of having some help, if you want to learn more, you can call me anytime at 480-385-8810. That is my cell phone. We'll just see if you and what you're trying to do and what we do here at Fearless Agent, if it would be a good fit. So, again, give me a call anytime. Don't email me. Don't 
Text me, pick up the phone, it's sales. Call me at 480-385-8810. You can also go to fearlessagent.tv, subscribe there. You can go to fearlessagent.com, go to our video training page, watch all the videos. You can go to uh, the speaking page and there's a 25-minute video there that's an excerpt from one of our two-day events. Um, So there's lots of free stuff. That free stuff would be better coaching for free than you would pay any other coach in America for any amount of money. I guarantee you that. And again, you can always call me. So back to the questions. So uh, how long – let's see. Does negative cash flow concern you? Uh, That's a trick question. When somebody says, oh, yes, I want positive cash flow. Uh, I know they're not cut out to be an investor. Positive cash flow is one of these things they talk about in these scammy seminars. And the truth is, um, I always have you have people illustrate it this way. So we're going to follow along. So we're going to draw two stick figure houses, okay? One is on the left, one is on the right, okay? And in the body of the stick figure on the house on the left, you write 40 percent. That's your annual rate of return. And on the right, you would write 10 percent. So the one on the left has an annual rate of return for the investor of 40 percent. The one on the right is 10 percent. You're an investor. Which would you rather have, Ramon? I would go with a 40. Yeah. You answer it right. Call me crazy. Now, what if the one on the right had a massive amount of positive cash flow, then which one would you want, Mr. Investor? If they pick 10, they're not cut out to be an investor because every investor knows that 40 percent beats 10 percent every day. So when somebody says, I'd rather have the positive cash flow and the 10 percent, this is not somebody we're going to do business with. They're not, not smart enough to be an investor. So if you take a mutual fund, you know, you, you plunk down $100,000 to buy a mutual fund uh, or Apple stock or something like that. How much positive cash flow is there on that? Well, there isn't any. It's all growth. How much positive cash flow was there? Well, there was $100,000 of negative cash flow on day one when you bought that stock. But it was still smart to do because you get a rate of return. So the, the positive cash flow knuckleheads, that's, uh, that's an indicator that you should not be doing business with them. Now, uh, how much negative cash flow would be too much? A real investor would say, nah, you know, negative cash flow doesn't concern me all up to a point. Uh, how much would be too much, you know? So if it's Bill Gates or Oprah, they don't care how much negative cash flow there is. Um, but for the typical investor that you're going to bump into. There is a limit for that. What is the maximum amount of available cash you would consider investing right now? Um, And then where is that cash now? Is it liquid? Is it tied up in another bad real estate investment? Is it in a mutual fund? Is it in a CD or is it, you know, in the bank? Um, And we're talking about, you know, $100,000, so it's not going to be in the bank probably. If this turned, if this idea turns out to be the perfect fit for you, is there anything that would keep you from doing it now? You know, just see what they say. Uh, Is there anything about this idea that even scares you a little bit? You know, I want them to get 
that horror story they heard about the guy that bought the rental and the and the tenant from hell and all that. Just let him vent. I just I don't address it. I just want to hear him say it, and then I go okay, and then I'll go right into the presentation. So the presentation, the fearless agent investor presentation, is just a well thought out step by step. It's the seven secrets of investing in real estate. And I'm going to go into them in uh, greater depth in an upcoming episode of this. But here's what I here's what I never thought would happen. So when I came up with this investor presentation, I I never really thought it was. I thought it was just going to be a way for me to help some of my clients better. You know, be able to communicate what I knew to be true. Uh, what it turned into was its own little cottage industry. I never realized that I would be calling somebody on a expired, you know, cold call kind of, and then they're going to end up doing thirty transactions over the next two years with me. Um, and the investors were like, some of them would say, "Hey, you know, they, I'm going to be in town." You know, many of them were from California, and in California, the the entry price is so high. In Scottsdale, which is right next door, it's lower. So I have a coaching student, in fact, that he lives in California. He does his investor investing in, in my town, in my old farm area. He actually bought one right next to my – very close to my old house. But I'd have a California guy. He'd come in town. We'd go look. I'd show him a couple. So this is what – I'd show vacant houses. i go, this is what we're talking about. Now, I would be able – back in those days, off the top of my head – I'd say this needs new flooring to get rental ready. So I know that carpeting, which is the way to go because you can rip it out, uh, hard flooring, when it goes out of style, it's more of a problem to rip out. It's more expensive. So if you, I knew what carpeting costs, the pad costs you know, per square foot. I know what painting costs per square foot. I know what roofs cost per square foot. I would just know what the landscaping would cost to turn it from gravel into grass or anything like that. So any, anything that was problem, I could just estimate it off the top of my head and say, roughly, this is what it's going to cost to get it rental ready. And then they feel comfortable and they go, okay, I can make a decision when you find one. Then we'd go find one and, I'd, and he'd just say, you know, find one and let me know. Let me know when you got it. And then I'd call him up in California. I'd say, I got one. I'm going to you know, tell you about it, and they'd say, write it up. I'd buy it, you know, as the buyer, and then I'd assign it to them, or they'd I'd FedEx them the paperwork back in those days, or uh, you know, email it to them. So it was easy, and a lot of times the the investors would say, "Yeah, I want to do five. I'd say, "Well, let's do one. Let's do one. Do that one right, and then we're going to do another one, just like that, and then another one." And it's lower pressure. You know, I don't. I don't look like the guy is trying to do. I don't. I don't want to get all their business. I just want to get one done correctly, and then have them refer me to other people. Because sometimes the guy that says I want to do five doesn't do five. He only does one. So I don't want to go. Oh yeah, let's go do five. I, what I really want is for them to be insanely happy with their rate of return and their experience, and then refer me to five other guys, which. Or people, and that and that is kind of the way investors operate. They 
tend to be people who hang around with other people in their age group that have a lot of money and they can inv- they can certainly refer you to other people so that's the way that's just the way we did it so uh in an, in our upcoming episode I'm going to be giving the seven secrets and or some of them at least and by the way once again I want to thank all of you for joining us today here at the fearless agent podcast you can please do visit us at fearlessagent.com. Subscribe at fearlessagent.tv. If you are a real estate company owner and you are recruiting fewer agents than you wish you were and you're open to the idea of having some help with that, you can call me directly at 480-385-8810. If you need a speaker for an event, a real estate-oriented event, you can call me at 480-385-8810. If you are earning less selling real estate than you wish you were and you're open to the idea of having some help with that, please do call me and then give us a, a, review, a five-star review of this podcast on iTunes or on Spotify or wherever you're listening to it. And until next week, gang, do what we always do as Fearless Agent. Always have fun, be humble, but above all, be fearless. Thanks, gang. Oh.